Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Have you ever wanted to own an investment or vacation rental property? A place that could become a long-term retirement haven for you and your family? Katie Bertadato and Mark Keeley are co-founders of Golden Swan Management, a property management and real estate development company located in Traverse City, Michigan. Golden Swan properties extend throughout the Northwest Michigan region with a variety of rentals, including condos, waterfront, and rural escapes available in every season. Probably the most critical aspect of considering an investment or vacation property is asking, does it align with my family's purpose? If this consideration is because you think it may be cool or have seen one too many HDTV shows that make it look easy, then you need to readdress your why. Most people interested in owning a second home often do not know where to begin. Katie and Mark guide us through the critical factors you must consider and some critically overlooked considerations that people can miss when investigating an investment or vacation property. Please enjoy my conversation with Katie Bertadato and Mark Keeley. Well, Katie Bertadato and Mark Keeley, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you. Great Thank to you be here. So um, I've, I've been waiting for the two of you to get on this show for a while now um, as we get into your background and talk about what you, you guys do together. So husband and wife duo team here in the, uh, I'll call it rental... Uh, real estate market um, in the Northern Michigan Traverse City area. And one of the reasons why I've been anxious to have you guys on is I've been doing this for a long time, this meaning being a financial advisor. And I would say over the last three or four years, one of the biggest questions I get is, well, how do people have a second home? How do they have a vacation home? And so full disclosure, you guys are the owners of Golden Swan Property Management. And Teresa and I work uh, with you guys because you manage our rental property in Traverse City. So I always want, always like to make sure I disclose those, uh, those uh, ties uh, being a fiduciary. But um, you guys have been a huge help to us in learning about... Um, real estate and having a rental property. And again, this is a question I get so often from uh, families. And so I'm like, it's it's about time we had you on to talk about the ins and outs of, of how this all works. So, um, so now that I've got that all out of the way, let me turn it over to you guys and have you guys talk about your background. And I think first, there's always a story. Everybody always has a story. And so... I would like you guys to lead off with your story and how you guys met and got into the real estate market. Sure. And so it was uh, getting into the to the market first, and that's what brought us together, really. So our background is uh, we we were both um, around around 2015 um, uh, transitioning into a different career. For me personally. I traveled a lot. Uh, I was a, I, I led a, a, a tech company, um, and it was uh, constant travel. So I had young kids at the time. So I looked at. I live in Northwest Michigan. Where is uh, what 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 can I look to where there's a lot of revenue and and maybe some problems to solve? And this was certainly uh, the short term rental market here, a plus market, and all kinds of problems uh, that that we could solve and and make money uh, by solving those things. So. That's that's my my background. Um, yeah. So Katie. Mark Mark walked into this with intent. I kind of accidentally built a business. Um, 
we were, we were competitors, but I started mine just renting out the other half of my duplex. So as a single mom living in an expensive part of Traverse city. And in order to, um, you know, maintain that I had to supplement my income. And so I rented my space, started the Airbnb thing. Um, and I was pretty good at it. So other people asked me to manage their properties and it just kind of grew into this thing. Um, and so Mark and I were competitors and then we actually met at, uh, I think a city planning commission meeting. This is um, where the story gets good, right, Katie? Yeah. yeah. I, I <laughs> Especially for me. Part. Especially for me. I love this part of the story. So we're at a city planning commission meeting. Um, and uh, just advocating for our industry. And Mark gave public comment, I gave public comment. And then afterwards he approached me, he said, hey, we should really, you know, we should talk. And I'm like, well, he's pretty smart. So let's talk, totally work related. Um, <laughs> and, and I knew who Katie was, like I looked to Katie, uh, at, although we hadn't, hadn't met formally at that point, but somebody who was doing it right. You know, we, in this industry, especially when you're new, you're trying to learn and glean information off of people that are already established. And I, I kind of looked at Katie as, um, you know, strong brand, uh, great messaging, uh, very polished products that she was delivering. So all of the things, and then, uh, meeting her in person, um, I was just like, holy cow. I didn't she's, know who Mark she was. Is, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. <laughs> and, and listen to her public comment. She's smart. Um, so anyway, I I was very clear my intentions when I said, hey, uh, do you want to grab a drink? And, uh, <laughs> and so Katie is like, yeah, a business meeting. And for me, I'm like, it's a date. So <laughs> we had to reconcile those differences eventually. Yeah. After he kissed me and I was like, that is not professional. But then the next time we hung out, I kissed him, which was also not professional. And now we're married. Yeah. So married, um, we we have each uh, have two children. So we have a, a blended family now. Uh, four uh, teenagers, uh, two oldest are seventeen, uh, fifteen, and then soon to be thirteen um, makes up our our brood. But I love that we met at a planning commission meeting because it is the nerdiest hallmark story ever. When you told me that the last time we were on the phone a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, I can't wait to get this on tape. Uh, people are going <laughs> to people are going to love this story. So I'm I'm glad that I'm glad that you're able to tell it. So. Um, so let's. Let me just dive right in, because I don't want to inject too much of my my mine and Teresa's personal story, but I think it's probably some of the a lot of people what a lot of people go through. But how do people get into the rental vacation rental space or investment property space. I, 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 I think it's like one of those bucket list items for a lot of the the families that I work with, um, or I'd say a good number of them, not all of them, but a good number right. of them. And it's always, well, how does somebody even pull that off? Like, how do you even start? And, yeah. you know, I'll just interject this real quick. Like it started for Teresa and I, because we started coming to Traverse City um, in 2016. So this will be our seventh summer coming up there. And our triplets were, I think, uh, well, our triplets would have been about six and Mac would have been about four. And I remember it being the first, Teresa and I remember it being the first vacation that was like really great, was just the six of us. We all got along and Teresa's like, uh, we're going to book this again. And we were at Peninsula Bay and we stayed there for the first well, five years that we were coming up there until we bought our condo at Sugar Beach um, almost two years ago. All right. Well, that's a very common story. Uh, most of the folks, especially in 2015, uh, what we do here has evolved. Uh, and so our our client, client is, is changing. But our, our typical client for the first five years pre-pandemic were just that. These were folks who are professionals uh, seasoned in 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 their field, you know, in their late 30s to mid 50s, and wanting to take advantage of the short-term rental revenue that this market bears to essentially offset the cost of having a second home up here. Uh, some of them like plan to be here all summer, and so like until they actually officially retire, just we're going to pay down what we can if there's debt, whatever, with the goal of just spending the entire sum up here and, and not renting. Right? That's that's very common. Some want to just come up a couple weeks and keep it as an investment or at least a way to break even. Um, and then others come up purely investment. So it really, depending on those goals, um, really determine the kind of property we we steer them to. But now we're seeing a lot of folks, uh, a lot of uh, folks in your industry really um, uh, investing money, um, you know, moving money around and investing in short-term renting uh, real estate. We've got uh, 
uh, to um, groups uh, that, uh, you know, in the last uh, one group in the last 24 months, they have purchased 15 lakefront homes, uh, all anywhere from 1 million to two and a half million each. Um, and they're so basically they're, like a conglomerate of, of investors, Mark. That's like pull in. Yeah. This, this particular is a family extended family money. So, um, and, and then another, uh, uh, group, which is a, a, um, a capital group, uh, you know, a, a fund that, uh, had just, uh, they're looking for anything and everything because they are actively selling. They have tens of thousands. It might even be hundreds of thousands of square footage, of underperforming office space all over the country. And so they're, they're, they're targeting Traverse city. Now they are 1031 exchanging and moving that money into Traverse city into rentals, primarily, um, you know, looking at uh, full build condo complexes or luxury lakefront houses. Yeah. And, and we really, um, we like seeing that, that kind of investment. These are people who would typically buy second homes anyway. Um, and, so luxury lakefront, they're going to buy it regardless of whether they can rent it, but they can only stay up here, you know, two to four weeks out of the year. And then the rest of the time it's dark. So we, we really like to say that we're able to keep the lights on and keep, keep the economy kind of churning here um, by having this be an allowed use. So how do you, so if I step back even further, Katie, like how do people like even find golden swan? How do people find Katie? And, and Mark. And so that's, that's question one. And then the follow-up question to that is do the people that, that knock on your door, do they know, have they been in the area before and know what they want? Or are they like, are they people like Teresa and I that have been coming up and then finally decide, okay, we want to start getting serious about this and, and, and have an idea of what they want. Or people are just coming up like brand new, like we don't, we just want to be here, help us find something. Yeah, so the most common, um, all of the above, really. But most, most, uh, we work directly with realtors. I'm a broker. Uh, I have to be licensed as a broker in the state of Michigan. It's a regulation, but we don't do buy and sell real estate. Um, so we are very useful to realtors. So they they have a buyer. Uh, they come to us saying this is their budget. Frankly, we do a lot of the work. Uh, they they'll look at here's a property. Can you tell me if it's investment grade? And we do an analysis. We build out a ten year pro forma. Um, you know, so you're looking at how the property conservatively would look over the course of the next 10 years. Um, and so, you know, it, it helps us when we're, we're introduced to these potential buyers to earn credibility in this space. That's the most, you know, you're kind of hitting on it. That's the most complicated thing people can't get past. Like, how do I pull this off? Sure. I, you know, I, I, I get that it's a, it's a good rental market, but it's complicated and, and I can't imagine trying to pull this off myself. And so anyway, we, you know, we allow those buyers to put that part of it aside and just focus on what I'm, what makes sense for me to put forth in what is probably a competitive situation, the right offer based on the kind of revenue and that pro forma that we build out. So it's, it's, it's very helpful to, uh, to these folks who are kind of like, how do I, I want to do this, but I don't know how. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a lot like nostalgia based, right? People have been up here. They think this is, this is beautiful. They've spent God's um, country as we describe it, right? especially in the summer (laughs) really and and we kind of so we consider um ourselves like the facilitators of memory making right so we want people to have those really great family vacations up here and then those people do turn into you know buyers and investors and people who end up wanting to work with us um a lot of our business has just been word of mouth and having a good reputation being really involved in the community um, having a primary focus of our business being um, responsible renting and reasonable regulation and making sure that we're following the rules and um, being good stewards of, of our community here. And, and I think that's one of the keys that, that we've experienced and we'll we'll tread lightly on that topic about our, our our current community at Sugar Beach, which is, you know, it's it's a it's a great community. There's been a lot of people there. Um, we've had some challenges, which I, I think we should talk about because I think, We'll get into that, but well, what are some of the downfalls of this? But, you know, one of the, let me bring this up. Like, as far as uh, financing goes, like when, when I show up at your doorstep and like, okay, I think this is the property I want to buy. Do you help facilitate that? Because obviously, you know, there's, it's not like a necessarily like a conventional second home, 
uh, that you're getting a, a 30 year mortgage on, especially if you're, you don't have the money for, you know, a 10 to 20% down payment, you know, do you include rental income in that? Can you get it approved without rental income? Can, can you talk a little bit about those kinds of details? Yeah. So, um, I took a course through MIT that was um, commercial real estate analysis and investment and kind of applied the concept for like traditional commercial real estate, um, applied it to our industry, which people hadn't done before. And so we built out like um, a pretty detailed 10-year performa, which Mark uses to kind of analyze properties um, and make sure people understand like what they're getting. Um, and then Mark has actually done a really fantastic job of working with with bankers, uh, mortgage brokers, um, and even um, assessors um, to, to explain like our industry and and why these numbers are not like long term rental numbers and and justify um, and he's he's willing to defend our performa um, with real data that we've collected you know with our company and. I mean, that has helped our, our clients get financing. So we know we're trying to build an ecosystem, right? It's not just about realtors. It's not just about buyers. It's about sellers. It's about, um, you know, getting the, the appraisers to understand short-term renting in a way to look at it uh, in in a more nuanced way rather than just a straight performance evaluation and, and um, you know, using that part of it for the financing piece. And we have banks here, uh, local banks especially, that are, you know, some of them are, are you know, you, you go through the process. Uh, you've got a, someone who, um, you know, an underwriter who reaches out to us to ask about how we put together those numbers. We provide that data. And then sometimes, you know, I'll sit in front of the, the board uh, when they make the decisions for the loan and I just defend the pro forma. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's, we're in this, we're in this fantastic, our golden swan in this great position because over the years we, we outperform the market in Northwest Michigan considerably. And that is based on working really hard on revenue management, among other things, besides, you know, the baseline of producing a good product and taking care of people and, you know, uh, but revenue management is truly what separates us from a performance. When we're talking about just data. Um, that's what separates us. And so we've earned credibility in that way. And so that part of the the financing part of it, we can assist there by just bringing forth the expertise and evidence and data to support a pro forma that shows the revenue side considerably higher than what you'll see if you just look at the market as a whole. Yeah. If you just go like, you know, standard comps and you're just kind of Googling and, and seeing what other people are charging, they'll say, how can you how can you justify this? And I love to hear Mark and his sales pitches. He's he's like, well, you know, that's like cheating on off of C students and we don't do that. So we focus on on what we do and we do it well. And we don't worry what anyone else is charging because we know the type of revenue that we can generate. And, and you know this uh, in your profession, every uh, you know, every day is different. And so we have these rules of thumb. We carve the the full year up into, you know, all these tiny little pieces to understand the the differences in every single week in the peak season, what's driving demand, right? Um, looking at historical data, but knowing that the market is always moving and always shifting too. And so we're always learning. Um, and I think that, um, that, you know, understanding revenue management is a daily task. It's not an island. You can't just set it and forget it, which is a common problem here uh, with uh, property management. Um, we look at it every single day. And uh, that's the only way to, to really squeeze out the kind of revenue that we can. Um, and, and that's why, uh, we're in the position now we are to, to be able to, to build out this ecosystem and really have an effect on, um, uh, on the market in a positive way. We're hoping to raise the standards across the board. We would love for the talent level to increase and we're seeing it, we're seeing it now, but, um, boy, those early days, it was brutal and it was good for us. Great for us because it helped us, you know, separate ourselves from the pack, but, um, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of projects that don't go anywhere because they haven't talked to us. They're using just market data, just the general averages that you can see publicly. Um, and there's so much more potential uh, in our market, uh, in our hands or, you know, somebody doing it the right way. So there's there's a, a lot to unpack there because one of the one of the, and I want to come back to this, but I just want to make this point. So hopefully neither none of us forget this is that that's one of the things that have surprised me the most is just how much the the business fluctuates and can. And, and that, that to me has been one of the most surprising points. 
Um, but one of the things that that you touched on, the regional banks, and and we won't get too heavy into this, but you know, obviously we're we're recording this on March 22nd at 1:50. In about 10 minutes, the Fed's going to come out with their decision. So I can't believe we're actually recording this podcast when they're coming out. Yeah. But uh, we didn't we didn't know this was going to be uh, critical timing with regional banks. But I think it's I think this solidifies to me, and I, I hear this debate on on uh, the the talking head media and and finance is that how critical regional banks are because. They are they are the ones that are willing to do the analysis and lend in areas like a Traverse City versus a you know the bigger banks like the money center banks like Bank of America, J.P. Morgan. Um, do, do you have any color or insights you would either one of you would want to add on on that? I, I think you're you're spot on. I, I think when you have uh, the regional banks here. They, they live in this community. They understand, and they're they're a part of the business community in a way that you're you're you know the the big banks have like a branch manager, or they might have a regional manager that stops in once a year, or twice a year, whatever. But the the folks who are making decisions are directly involved in the landscape or the ecosystem in in this business community. They get it. They understand uh, what short term renting means to our local economy, and and uh, several of them that we use uh, were you know five, six years ago, just getting into this, that are fully on board with projects. Um, got a, um, I don't know if we should name names or not as far as banks, but uh, First Community here in Traverse City, uh, you know, there's a, a 4,300 square feet on the second floor, if you can imagine, above a retail space on Front Street, which is downtown Traverse City, that uh, 4,300 square feet been sitting empty. The last official use was the 1968 Vietnam draft board. Uh, wow. Sitting empty. It was hidden behind this, this facade that was put up in, in the late sixties. And we walked that property. Um, no electricity, no electricity, Not even so using our cell phones. Um, and we built out a pro forma. Um, you know, we do real estate development. The, again, back to the revenue we can bring justifies projects. And that was the, you know, this is a proof of concept for us where this 4,300 square feet, uh, it costs, you know, X to build out and we built it out to the nines. And, you know, here's, you know, this is the total cost of construction. Here's the revenue. Uh, and so it was a, it's an amazing project, beautiful place. Now we've been renting it since this past September, it's doing wonderful. But the, the, the point is, is, you know, this is a building that it, it's a two-story building, has a shoe store in the retail space. It's been there since the 1940s. This space sitting empty now is on the tax roll for Traverse City. They love that. It's bringing year-round renters right downtown to these businesses that really need it in the off-season. The value of the building itself has tripled. Um, and so the family that's owned it since the 40s now has a real financially, you know, viable business going into the future for the next generation. The folks who own it now, the family, they've been looking for like, how do we pass this? How do we keep this building in the family? family. This is their, this is how they're doing it. So, and they went to first community, first community, absolutely stamped them. It was the quickest approval I've seen for a project. So this is a, 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 you know, a known commodity, a known business family going to their bank. They took it to the board with our pro forma, with the, the construction, everything built into it. And, and we had, we had approval in a week. I like to think that we have a really good reputation too. Yes, yeah, yes, for sure. But the the point is, is that project it would still be empty if it wasn't if they looked at market just market rates. Uh, you right. couldn't justify it the return. And so that's that's just one example. So we're talking to everybody in you know Northwest Michigan, all of these towns: Sutton's Bay, Leland, Charlevoix, uh, Elk Rapids, Petoskey. You know what? You know we're starting with the chambers, uh, you know the DDAs, and saying what empty space do you have? We can bring. Uh, uh, a we can bring dollars to your downtown, and this is how, uh, and and add to that tax roll, and you know it's just a win win for everybody. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Mark. That like I think people that haven't been to Northwest Michigan, they probably think of Traverse City first, but they don't know about all the other incredible outlying areas. I mean, maybe people have heard of Torch Lake because it's it has its reputation of, in and of itself, but. Uh, right. um, but yeah, it's it, and the thing is, we've been going up there for, like I said, our seventh year, and we're still finding new things every time we we go up and start like exploring. So it's 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 really really interesting. One of the 
one of the things that I think people worry about when when they look at an, a vacation home or investment property, say like any, I'll use air quotes here, Traverse City area, is the potential like cyclicality of it. So meaning when times are good, things are booming. And then when the economy slows down, tourism is usually the first to get hit. Can you walk us through like what that experience is like? And is there such thing? Are those booms and busts like really dramatic where it it forces people to potentially have to unload a property or something like that? Travel is strong um, and it's been strong. And I, and I don't think that we're just in the like post COVID boom. I think uh, 2021 was incredible. And I think that we've kind of leveled out to um, reasonable rates, uh, both occupancy and, and nightly rates. And I, and I think that we're seeing moving forward that um, this is kind of the baseline. Um, yeah, typically travel goes, goes first, um, in a downturn, but not up here. Um, this, this, why would that, why why would that be, uh, Katie? Well, let's talk about 2008, right? So ugly, ugly times, uh, you know, the, the great recession and what we saw here in the market, and we're not talking specific to short-term renting. We weren't in short-term renting at that time. Um, but you can see the, 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 although we saw, um, some recession in prices, at that time, we didn't have the the turnover, the foreclosures, and um, so the the demand for by really wealthy folks to be up here, the kind of folks who do all right typically in a downturn, it's usually an opportunity, time of opportunity. Um, we have a lot of those folks here, so um, I think we are isolated from it. Uh, it's it, and now when we're talking about, and that was really based on folks just wanting to have their second homes here, so second home demand. And, and scarcity of inventory has always been a problem up here for a long time. So that kind of hedged against, uh, did, did the overall uh, housing market take a hit? Yes. Uh, but we didn't see the, the, the massive uh, uh, loss in, in property values that we saw all around the country. Um, so we kind of hedged against that a little bit based on just the kind of folks that are coming up here. So add in the short-term rental part of that, and so it, it's it's just increasing the demand too. So you have the this the aging boomers um, and in some of us Gen Xers maybe starting to get into that second home buying time in your life. So just demand for that, and then you add the folks who are here just for investment properties and um, the short term rental part of it. It's going to keep pressure on pricing upwards. And in a downturn, if we see one, um, I think that is going to help again insulate us. Not completely, but I think it's going to to, to keep us uh, from having some cataclysmic collapse in the market where you're going to see a lot of sell off, um, so, you know, that sort of thing. Well, and we're kind of talking about two markets here, right? It's the it's the people who can afford to buy these homes, whether they're second homes or whether they're investing in a short term rental market. And then there's the people who maybe can't afford to buy a second home. And what they're investing in is their vacation. And so it, it's that kind of like shared economy um, mentality now with the elder millennials and uh, maybe some of the younger Gen Xers um, who are okay with maybe not buying that second home, but are going to absolutely invest in multiple weeks of vacation in a place that they want to be. And That's- another another thing too is the 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 brand, right? Our brand we focus on uh, luxury high end condos and world class lakefront properties. So. You know, we we had um, we have a property uh, we rented for two months for just shy of four hundred thousand dollars for two months. Uh, wow! Two months rent. So That's a different market. So yeah. those folks, the, the folks that are coming in on these high end lake houses, you know, that are spending this kind of money are the folks that aren't as uh, affected uh, as well. So that's more of our brand. That's more of our like where we play in in this market. Um, but you know, those folks are are coming in and. You know, they're bringing their private jets and, um, you know, they're they're moving, they're moving and, and, and taking advantage of downturns in the market. So that that helps us, I guess, hedge against downturns as well, just where we play. So if I go if I go back and kind of take what you were the points that you were making on on that, Mark, if if I summarize it like in it, a little uh, a little bit more clear, like summary or English, sure. the the real estate values themselves don't naturally haven't actually naturally fall, fallen during like a slow time but you could see a potential slowdown in the 
rental income. So the property values itself stay pretty firm to continue to rise, but you could see some kind of pullback in like actual rental income. Yeah, I, I, th- I think we the pandemic has showed us that. We had that banger year in 2021 and then a kind of a, a receding, a downturn in the entire market, not just our market, but I mean in the entire uh, world, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, where it was kind of the pendulum swinging back the other way uh, last year. But that was really the first downturn. We'd seen double-digit growth in our market year over year uh, since we've been in this business since 2015. And I, I don't think that was, uh, I, I don't think that's going to change necessarily moving forward in the long in you know in the long term i think we're going to always see growth for you know the next 10 years in this industry uh when you have a, a downturn um in the economy uh, you know for us it's just about um where we're where we're at in the market that helps you know hedge against that but i think katie you made a really good point too and in, in, in a lot of the work that i do with families and i think research research bears this out but i think people are finally um really gravitating towards this concept of we want experiences rather than things. And so people aren't going to necessarily sacrifice that vacation or experience versus, okay, well, I'll, I'll skimp somewhere else in, in our, you know, normal, normal spending, if you will, uh, versus giving up that vacation. And, and, you know, we, Teresa and I have, <laughs> we have firsthand experience with this along with everybody else that I feel like lives in Michigan that has kids because we're, you know, most of the, the, the school districts have a midwinter break in early February and then a spring break, which is going to be next week and next week for us. And you usually pick, okay, we're going to go to South one of those two trips. We, most people can't afford to do both. They're going to do one or the other. But I can honestly tell you the people that like are, have the biggest regrets are the ones that don't get out of the state for either of those breaks. And it's and it's brutal. And like it's it can be like physically draining with 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 the weather. And like there's there's so many good things about being in Michigan and there's there's things that aren't so, aren't so good. I, th- I think travel is is really an investment in your own mental health and like and the, completely agree. Know, the health and the memory making with your own family. Um, and I think that there's, there's a lot of value put on that more than, um, how much am I going to leave in my inheritance, which I think previous generations were kind of worried about that. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Was it, uh, 20, 2020, I think where we, uh, we got the four children each for Christmas. All they got was, uh, a, a new, uh, piece of luggage and then, you know, opened it up and it had, uh, like the itinerary the itinerary for a trip we were going to take in the summer. That was their Christmas gift. Right. And I think to your point about people are, are looking for, you know, experiences rather than, you know, investing in, in homes. You, a lot of millennials, you know, are don't well, even own homes. Well, yeah. A lot of millennials can't afford homes. So right. Right. we'll own like a second home. So um, invest in the experience instead. So if I, let me um, bring it back to uh, a, a, I'll, I'll say a prototypical family that I work with shows up at your doorstep wanting or interested in in a vacation rental slash ret- future retirement because I think that's the I think that's the other key I think maybe you mentioned it Mark or Katie is that and this is how Teresa and I set this up too it's like we want to be in the Traverse City area long term at some point down the road and during our retirement um, Teresa was on the podcast as well she'd tell you. She'd be in Orlando as well at Walt Disney World, but that's 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 a topic for another conversation or another day. But so we that's how we look at it. And when I'm talking with families, I try to get them like really clear on their purpose of why they even want to own a vacation home or rental property because we still haven't gotten to this point yet, but we will about the 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 drawbacks of it, if you will. Um, but walk us through like. Are there guidelines that that you walk or have for potential um, investors or buyers like Teresa or me or like you and Katie? I mean, we're I think we're all very similar age. Where, well, I, you know, Katie, we know you're younger than Mark and I, so <laughs> um, I'll, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so it, it's you know the, this is what I do often. Uh, most of my days, you know, talking to folks who you know. I've, 
I've got four phone calls uh, this morning for people I have not spoke to before who want to talk to me about investing in Northwest Michigan that I got to follow up with. And so it's it's first things first is get a local realtor. Um, we we work with uh, uh, you know a handful of of realtors who uh, understand that they uh, you know lean on us for our expertise to make their jobs and their buyers' lives easier too. It's an efficient search when they involve us. Um, if they go and look at six places without talking to us, then half of those places probably aren't even investment grade. And I can point those reasons out quickly uh, by, you know, from my computer uh, before they make a trip from San Francisco to look at six houses. Let's talk about the two that make sense. And here's why. Um, so that's that's kind of the process. But having a local realtor is important because most folks are not from here. Um now, if you are a local or you know the area well, you've come here, you know, most of your life or, um, you know, you're savvy, uh, you know, sometimes you don't need a realtor. You have your attorney draw it up and we can assist in in helping uh, facilitate, you know, you know, finding the place uh, and and, uh, you know, build out the pro forma and, and give them everything they need to make a decision. Uh, it's just a, it's just much more efficient uh, to, to work that way. And. I know yeah. Mark's really focused on like the property itself, which obviously is very important. Like, is this a good investment? Does this property make sense? Um, but I just want to touch on like the the types of clients that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're interviewing us, you know, we make sure that they know we're interviewing you as well. Um, it's really, really important for us to be careful about the the clients that we bring on. Um, we want to make sure that they fit into you know, our, our long-term goals too. And, and part of what Golden Swan does is like, we take care of people and that means our guests, that means our owner partners, and, and that means our employees as well. And so if we have somebody who's going to be, you know, not so nice to our employees, you know, you, you just can't, can't work with us. And that's just kind of the ecosystem that, that we've built. Um, I think it's really important to understand that this type of investment is different than, a long-term commercial property or even a long-term residential property. You know, there's going to be people coming in and out. It's a lot of day-to-day hands-on operations and you have to just let us do our job because we do know what we're doing. So we really love the clients who um, essentially want mailbox money. Just let us do our job. Like I couldn't even imagine if if you had clients calling you every day, like, did you check this or did you check that? It's like just just let me work. Um, and so I, I can relate. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, uh, you know, we're in a good position now. We have the reputation from on the revenue side and, and the product that we deliver where we can be very selective. Um, I just had a conversation with Brandon, our director of operations this morning. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at the 12 last 12 folks that, that called in to talk to us this week about being brand new to the market. Right. So what is, what is today? Wednesday? Um, so 12, 12 new calls. And again, I'm not cold calling. I'm not reaching out. These are just incoming calls and and they find us through uh, word of mouth and, uh, they evaluate our portfolio that can be seen publicly. They do all these things and then they call us. Um, and so, you know, one out of 12, uh, so far, uh, this week are, I think will, will likely be followed up on as far as potentially being someone that makes sense for us to work with. We have criteria for the properties. We have criteria if 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 the property it has good bones, but it needs work. Uh, we need to make sure that we're going to have a level of product at the end uh, that is going to make sense for us. So there's a lot of a lot of moving pieces there, but we're in a good position now where we can be selective, and that helps us grow smarter. Helps our margins uh, be higher. Uh, there's just a, a a great way, great position for us uh, to be in right now. But finding the right partners is is it's not just about the property. It's about the, the the owner partner as well. Yeah. So, I mean, long story short, Paul and Teresa, you guys are VIP. <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure I pass that on to Teresa. <laughs> but so, so step one, find a local realtor. Step two, find somebody like you and Katie, Katie and Mark at Golden Swan. Right. Um, what would be third? Uh, you mentioned cri- criteria, like having, it, this, how important is that? It just depends on what folks are looking for. So the 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 criteria would be that you know a home that is uh, has zero signs of deferred maintenance. Um, everything is buttoned up and, and clean. Uh, we are going to ask for all of the money, 
And then we're going to ask for more money and continue to ask for more money for these properties. So we need to have the perceived value. When the renter walks in, they're happy to pay it. And when they walk in, that there's nothing that's going to detract from that. That perceived value is met. Um, and so we have to have uh, uh, an owner partner that's going to maintain their property in a way that uh, allows us to continue to ask for more and more money. Ordinance, ordinances, you, yep. ha- you have to know like what is an allowed use in your area that cuts out a lot of places right off the bat. Um, you know, again, that's how Mark and I met and we still go to city and township meetings and advocate for reasonable regulation in our industry. Um, and, and Paul, I know, you know, it, it really, it matters a lot to have, um, an HOA that is in line with your goals as well. Let's, let's talk about that for a second, because most, you know, I don't, I don't know what the split is between, you know, people that, and, and I'm, well, I'm not, I'm backing up from just Traverse City. I'm, I'm talking across the continental U.S. Like when somebody's looking at an investment property, like how much, what percentage is actually a, a, a home, if you will, versus a condo building slash unit. Um, so how, how important, and I think you just said this, Katie, but, you know, without getting too ugly in, in, in some of the details that we've gone through. Just walk us through like how important it is. I think you touched on two things, understanding what's allowable and what's not. And then how do you even get a sense of what the community and the HOA is even like? Yeah, um, we really try to be good neighbors. Um, I think something that that we try to do right off the bat, especially with our lake homes, is go and meet all of the neighbors. Um, drop off a bottle of Golden Swan labeled wine, handwritten note, like similar to what our guests would receive, but explaining this is who we are. Um, this is what we're doing. Here's our card. Here's our direct line. If you have any issues at all, um, we like to be able to show people how we vet our guests um, and and just kind of like dampen any nerves right off the bat. Yeah, take uh, the temperature down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give people a, a sense of confidence that we're we're professionals and we know what we're doing. Um, last year, was it last year we had how many reservations and one phone call? Yeah, we. Yeah, so the la- since Katie and I uh, merged businesses, which was uh, January first of twenty twenty one, including future reservations that we have now, we've passed seven thousand uh, reservations since January first of twenty twenty one. Um, and in that time, we, that sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's it, a lot. It is. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, in that time we received one, it was really three phone calls, but really one phone call in particular that was from a concerned neighbor because we had a, what he thought was, uh, one of our renters parking on the septic field. So it wasn't a noise complaint. No, it, no wasn't, party. it wasn't a party, nothing. They just were concerned about that. And then the other two calls were, um, from the same lady, the same neighbor, who uh, the they requested the floodlight in the back of the, and I get it, we have a lake place, lights bother me at midnight when I'm trying to enjoy the fire and the sky and there's a bright light on, like I get it. But this woman called twice when our, our renters left that back light on in this lake house. Um, so those are the three calls out of 7,000. And that's how we have it absolutely dialed in for how do you find the right renters who are gonna respect the property, respect the neighbors, how are we going to build relationships in, in this social capital with the neighbors in order if something does go awry, that we we can start off on the right foot of just making it right and and having build trust with those neighbors that we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we uh, keep our renters uh, being good neighbors. Yeah, so I think I, that's a good thing for the list. Like when you're vetting a management company, you you want to know first of all, like do they use dynamic pricing? If if they use stagnant pricing, run. Like they're just, they're. Hey, can uh, you explain what that means, Katie? Cause I, I know what it means, um, but our audience may not know what that means. Yeah. I'm going to let Mark take this. Sure. He's our pricing expert. Sure. So, uh, I, the <laughs> but probably, no, we need to come back to you, Katie, cause you were going to make a few other points. So I don't want to mm-hmm. get sidetracked with that. Yeah. So it's, it's all falls under revenue management. And so that is the missing piece. Uh, you can ask, you know, for a property manager, you say, tell me about your revenue management. And so utilizing technology that in real time takes snapshots of the market availability. So market, you know, supply and demand. 
um, especially in the peak season. Um, but also, you know, still just this morning, walking this property, had an existing property manager that had in stagnant pricing is where you just set the pricing for the year and you walk away and, and, and there you go, book it or not. And usually those folks are book they're, they're pricing it in a way that it's a bargain. Uh, it's lazy, but it's the way the majority of the market uh, is priced here. So uh, this 3000 square foot place uh, that I looked at today, that was absolutely beautiful. That was priced at $800 a night, whether it was January or July. And so that in, it was probably, it, it's probably naturally like a $1,600 a night place. It's probably leaving a hundred percent revenue, like, you know, half the revenue on the table. Um, so that's stagnant pricing. So utilizing technology, but then also understanding in a granular way, the demand changes throughout the year to make sure that you're priced appropriately to drive occupancy and higher rates. Yeah. So Mark's a pricing nerd. Um, I, I really like to focus on, um, some of the other things would be would people and, um, conflict resolution. So I would ask like what sort of relationship they have with the city or zoning administrator, um, you know, what their process is for when they have a neighbor complaint or how do they reach out proactively to their neighbors? Um, what their process is when they have a guest complaint, what, what is their sort of like, um, refund policy? How do they make sure that their guests are, are taken care of? Because yes, we want to drive revenue, but ultimately you do that long-term by by taking care of people and making sure that um, they have a great experience and then they, they want to come back. Ultimately, things are going to happen. And you're always going to have, um, you know, guests who you just can't make happy, um, but you still have to, this is hospitality. So how do you handle them and make sure that you're not going to receive a scathing review because we live and die by reviews. The way to, when you're talking to potential property managers, starting with revenue, usually, you know, just, just stand up and walk out or hang up the phone if they fall flat on that piece, because this is about your investment, right? So if they, if they stumble through that and it sounds, uh, you know, unsophisticated, that's probably going to be the majority of the people that you talk to if you pick up the phone and you just search. So if you get past that, where they they talk about the the nuances in the market, and they talk about um, you know uh, using uh, technology to help pricing and all of these things, and you move on, then talk about systems. Tell tell me about the systems that you have in place to ensure that you have good renters. If something's broken, how does it get replaced? You know, tell me about your cleaning systems. How do you ensure the cleans are done properly? Tell me about your cleaning staff. Are they do they work for you directly? Are you are they independent contractors? How do you manage those? Um, you know, just ask about their systems that they have in place to manage their business successfully over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, those are the kind of things you want to really dig into. Yeah, you want a management company um, or a person who is proactive, not reactive. And I, I think that'll cut out a lot of issues later on. Being proactive is the way that we the reason why we don't get phone calls. If, if we were to get a phone call now from a, a neighbor, we would We've got protocol in place. We're going to deconstruct everything we we can find out about that and make sure that it doesn't happen again by improving in some way based on what we learned. Yep. We just try to get better every day. And we, we are at that knock on wood. We're at a point now where we just don't get those calls anymore, which is great. Yeah. And selfishly, I'm glad as well. So, <laughs> yeah. so let me, I know we're, we're going to, we're coming up on time fairly quickly. I knew this would, I was like, I, I could probably sit here and talk to you guys for at least another hour. Um, but one of the things I, I don't know if we necessarily have touched on this is what are maybe some of the critical, um, overlooked items of, of being a rental owner, second property vacation home, um, that people don't consider like what I, it, it sounds great. Like <clears throat> I, 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 Teresa and I, when we walked into our condo, we were, we were, when we were driving up, we were actively trying to think of trying to find ways that would this thing would go wrong? Like, there's no way we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to find this or that wrong with it, or we're going to, we're just going to find something wrong with it. And that's going to be our deal breaker. And we never came and we never came across anything like that. I would, um, I, I would say one of the number one things where somebody will talk to us um, and then they decide that they're going to manage it themselves. And, and we say, good luck. Let us know if you need anything. And in nine times out of 10, they come back, you know, within 
six months and just say, oh my gosh, this is a full-time job. And we say, I know that's why it's our job. Um, but, but I think it's, you know, it looks like it's going to be super fun and you're watching HGTV and they've got all these like renovation shows. And you're going to turn it into an Airbnb. You're going to make all this money and it's fantastic. And then you're, you're getting calls from your neighbors at three in the morning or, you know, just things get broken and things happen. And so it's let people do what they're good at. And you, you just really need to know yourself and know, like, do I want to actually manage a short-term rental or do I want to decorate it? And I think most people find they want to decorate, decorate it, they want it. to set it up, they want to make it look super cute, Instagram-worthy, whatever. Um, but the management part of it really is, it's a lot of work. So I would say, you know, let us do our job. If, if, I, I think, if, let me interrupt one second, Mark, because I think that's a really important uh, fact because it kind of goes back to like we were talking with guidelines is knowing your local ordinances or zoning. Because I know like in Traverse City, like you have to have somebody within, I think it's like a 30 or 45 minute drive of your property. So, yep. I mean, it's pretty common. Yeah. Go ahead, yep. Mark. Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, that's okay. I need to uh, figure out what we were talking about now. Um, where were we? Uh, Katie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Katie. Katie's like, people would rather be the designer rather right. than the manager. Okay, HGTV. Got it. <laughs> got it. So, the, yeah. so for me, business development side of things, right? Revenue management, business development. When I talk to these people, I, I you know, preparing for a call, I see it's a house that makes sense for us. It's, it's really nice. And I talk to these folks and they're like, well, you know, we're probably going to do it on our own. And, and I'll say, okay, uh, what, what typically happens is then you're going to do all the work. You're going to have all of the work and, and there's probably a lot more there than you anticipate. And you're going to make significantly less money. So what if I say, you know, and this is something, what if I say, um, you know, and they have numbers that they're, if they're going to do it on their own, like, what about we take all of that off your plate, especially if they've already got some renting under their belt, we'll take all of the work off of your plate and you'll make the same amount or more money. How does that sound? So the money you're making now, but none of the work or a little bit more money and none of the work. How do, how do those two scenarios sound for you? And that's really what we do. Uh, folks who manage it on their own, especially on the revenue side, it is a full-time job and, uh, it's it's really tough to to get a property to perform properly uh, if you're not doing it every day. So yeah, I know it wasn't it wasn't a job I wanted. <laughs> no, um, I think the the initial question was like, what are you know problems that people run into? And I think another one, even if they're going to get a management company, we have some people call us. They say we just bought this property and here's the location and will you manage it for us? And we have to say actually we can't because it's not an allowed use. You know, it's it's not in the proper zone. And so maybe first things first is when you're vetting realtors, make sure that they understand the rules of short-term renting and they're not selling you an investment that isn't actually an investment because you can't rent it this way. That would yep. be a really bad burn. It, 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 <laughs> it happens. happens. It happens. I talked to someone um, last month. Um, actually, no, it was, it was this month, a couple weeks ago. They bought two houses in Traverse City to short-term rents. Like, they're not short-term rentable. Um, we might be able to help you with horse show folks staying month, you know, longer than a month, but these are not investment grade in that way because of what the market is. You paid so you paid short-term rental money, uh, second home, you know, in, inflated prices, really top end uh, what they paid, and they're not going to have the return because they're going to have to have monthly renters in there. And we hate hearing that. Yep. But yeah. It happens. It happens. One. Um, oh, go ahead, Mark. Nope. Nope. Go ahead. One one last business question I want to squeeze in before I get to my final question I ask all my guests, which is going to be really interesting for the two of you, is condo versus free freestanding home. I, I, do you, I mean, people have that debate just in their primary residence. What's that debate like when you're looking at a vacation rental or investment property? Is it are you still considering the same things or? Again, does it get back to okay? What's your what's your purpose? What's your long term um, idea about this? Katie's like jumping well, at I'm the just, bit. This is this is really interesting. So when Mark and I were competitors, he was the VRBO king, and with like a luxury lakefront, and I was the cool hip um, Airbnb <laughs> condo queen. You know, so when we merged um, our businesses and started working together, it was really interesting to see like both sides of those markets. My business model was very much focused on 
um, keeping my cleaners all close to to one area so that they weren't driving all over the place. And Mark's business model was, you know, more business in the summer and then less business in the off season. Um, whereas I wanted to keep my people busy year round, but he, you know, but we're both making, you know, similar money. It's just a very different business model. So um, I, I don't know. What do you have to add yeah, to that? I, I think it, it really does depend on your on your goals. Uh, I think something that's important to, to add out into the world, too, for anyone who's listening, is it's important for us uh, as a company to protect workforce housing. Mm-hmm. So when we look at standalone homes, we have to, we purpose, you know, purposefully look at, is it short-term rental material? Yes. Okay. Is it taking away from housing stock? Um, so we don't, uh, this is a, a choice that we make. We don't work in uh, neighborhoods that would be considered workforce housing. Typically it doesn't fit into our brand anyway, right. but um, that's a, that's an important consideration for us. And so, um, you know, it really depends on your goals. It's going to be a lower point of entry for getting a condo than a lake house. Um, and with the the amount of build, uh, building projects that are going on now, uh, we're going to see uh, probably a leveling off of uh, pricing uh, to get into condos. Uh, we just have a lot coming uh, downtown. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how the market evolves. Uh, so if you want to you know, dip your toes in, uh, a condo is the way to go. If you are looking for uh, your second home on the on the water to spend your summers in in your older age, you know it just depends on those goals. Just a, it's a lot you know more expensive to get into uh, a lake house. Yeah, and I would say um, if if we're not talking about just our market, if you're looking in other markets, you really need somebody who's knowledgeable and and you can ask about the saturation point. You know how how many units do we have? And because there's a point where you, you're just not going to make as much money because they could book a, another condo for less. And um, when we are getting to that point here in Traverse City very quickly, so we we just make sure that we're transparent up front and let people know um, we've got another 150 short-term rentals being built right now coming on the market in the next year that will affect the condo that you just bought. And so we're, we can't inflate our numbers we have to be conservative so that you can make good business decisions. Um, and so they need to look at that no matter what market that they're they're looking at. And something I would say, too, is for God's sakes, allow dogs. Uh, that, that really. <laughs> are are you, you trying to, like, push my button, 20, Mark Keeley? In, in, in downtown Traverse City, uh, it's in it, it, this is a, a you know, the, the data is a, a little weak here. But we know for this particular building downtown that switched from having allowing dogs to not, it was a 20% decrease in revenue, mm. 20%. People and so, love their dogs. So yeah, because, I, because I get of, it. Because the scarcity uh, in downtown, it separated that building being dog friendly. Um, you know, if you click that box that says it has to be pet friendly, that was the only building standing. Like that was, it was just fantastic to increase occupancy and decrease, increase rates. It was wonderful. And then they decided to remove it and everyone's like, what happened? Well, that's, you know, we're the- clearly still grumpy about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could, I could, I can sense that. Well, there's, again, there's, there's like probably another six questions I could keep asking, which just means we're going to have to have another conversation. But um, I want to, I want to get to my closing question. I ask all my guests, which is, what is the best thing about being a parent? So I'm really interested in this, uh, in your response, given how you're recently newlyweds, blended family, older kids. So uh, I, I go back to my childhood, right? So I look at um, completely, uh, without getting into the details of my childhood, uh, living through my children's experiences now, I'm gonna admit it. Like uh, all the things that I want them to do, you know, and experience. And, and I see I have great pleasure in, in watching them uh, go through life and grow and have these wonderful experiences uh, in contrast to my own childhood. And so that, um, I think, is probably the greatest pleasure for me as a parent is to see them grow up and uh, in, a, in a, you know, they're privileged kids to see them. <laughs> they, they are. To see them grow up and to, to really uh, be able to, make choices for themselves uh, rather than decisions, right? So choices of what they want to do. Um, that's what gives me my my greatest pleasure. Yeah, I'll kind of jump on that too. So I love that our kids are cool. They're people that we want to hang out with. 
Um, most of the time, I think most of the time, you know, like you give me hope, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know, we've got teenagers and, you know, talking to other parents and they're like, my kid is straight A's and going to this Ivy league school and whatever. I'm like, but are they cool? Like, do, do they have a quirky sense of humor? Are, are they, you know, at some point they're going to be adults and are they going to want to hang out with you? Are you going to want to hang out with them? And our kids are just, they're freaking cool. They're funny. They're witty. So last night, uh, I'm upstairs uh, with my son playing video games, come downstairs and we got the neighbor kids and the rest of the brood all sitting in the dark in our living room, watching TV together. You know, it was just cool. It was cool to see. And that's, in, you know, Katie and, you know, five kids watching a movie. Uh, you know, it doesn't get any better than that. Just we, chilling. We, just go, hanging out. we go through a lot of snacks. Our house always smells like feet. Like, it's, <laughs> it's life, man. Three. We have, you know, imagine three smelly teenage boys and then they bring and then over, they're friends. And they bring over smelly teenage boys. Yeah. It's a lot. It's gross. It's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> well, Katie and Mark, I can't thank you enough for, for being on the show. Like I said, this was a conversation that I've been wanting to have for a while. And I think the audience is going to get a, a lot out of it because it, I think it helps give, uh, hopefully it gives them a sense of what it's like to go through this process of looking at, uh, you know, second home ownership, whether it's a, you know, future retirement home or short-term rental, but, um, I, uh, I, I can't thank you enough for, for, for sharing your expertise and selfishly, I can't thank you guys enough for the partnership that you've had with, with Teresa and I on, on our, uh, property and we love working with you guys and, uh, I'll, uh, we'll both look forward to work or seeing you guys, uh, sometime next week when we're up. All right. All right that sounds, sounds good. Great. Thanks, Paul. Thanks Appreciate so much, it. Paul. Thank you for listening to this episode of the emotional balance sheet podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.